This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, we're the Bloody Broads Pod here for Good For Her Horror. And we are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. She's Bhavna Sharma and I'm Jamie Howard. You can find us at Bloody Broads Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our Patreon and you can drop us an email, bloodybroadspod at gmail.com. Enjoy. And Bhavna, what are we talking about this week? Uh, In this hopefully cold January, we are talking about (laughs) Midsummer. Well, (laughs) thanks, global warming. It might not be cold. We don't know yet. Uh, This movie, I'm just going to say it fucked me up. (laughs) I've only seen it twice because I don't want to ever rewatch it again. Not to say I didn't love it. Yeah. But what was your first reaction? Because my first reaction was holy hell, like I need to go touch something soft and eat something sweet and like, like go through all the sensory, you know, check-ins that you do after a panic attack. I actually sat really far back in my seat. I was, I saw it in theaters and I was like, I reclined my chair super back. (laughs) And the funniest part was I went to see this. uh, My friend's boyfriend actually took me to, as a thank you for cat sitting while he went to go um, visit my friend. And um, he was like, I haven't been to the movies in forever. I'm a movie person. You love movies pick a movie and I was going like oh this means I can pick like even something far out there and I was like you were, you were oh. just like I'm about to fuck up this man's whole life the thing was I only seen one trailer and all I needed to know was it was Ari Aster and he was the guy that right. did Hereditary and I was yep. just like okay I'm in and I love like uh it, it I love Norse stuff even though I know it's not Norse it's still Scandinavia but like I right. love like that era of that uh, era wow I can speak today guys um that region of the world and as a hockey fan you know the Swedes were my fave players Fun. they they supply us with many many amazing players love you Matt Sundin anyway <laughs> um I so I picked it I was like I this is artsy this is a24 this is this is gonna be great and he was like cool I love this production company you know blah 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 you picked it let's go you know so we were we watched it snacks and toe and every now and then I'd like look over at him and like he can do horror he can do gore but it was more like the shitty boyfriend scene well that's that's why I was like wow it was more so like the that guy she needs to leave him and I'm like I know this is like it's like me making my boyfriend watch Gone Girl like during one of our very first dates (laughs) I was was like this is one of my favorite movies um so obviously Ari Aster is in my humble opinion brilliant um I know he's not everybody's flavor but I think he is quickly becoming you know one of the greats um, mm-hmm. I think in 20, 30 years from now, we're still going to be dissecting his movies, talking about these movies. Um, and specifically this one, even more so than hereditary really connected with a lot for, I think both of us, uh, yes. this one, especially connected with my deep seated uncomfortableness <laughs> with Ikea. Um, I promise I'm not just trying to crack a joke. 
there's something oddly sinister about that store. <laughs> like how everything Please is Please don't so look at clean. my Ikea furniture in the back of this video. <laughs> well, there's, there's the book about yeah. Ikea being, you know, a group of people get lost in Ikea and then they slowly start getting murdered. But there's this pristineness in the movie that contrasts against these horrific things happening. And yeah. I don't, I wish I had a better description for this, but it truly is like Ikea horror. Like that's what, like it, it's pastoral also it, though. It really is because you go from like, and I, uh, I might be talking out of my ass here, but like you go <laughs> from like her really, really tiny one bedroom apartment that doesn't even have room for bookcases. Like she's got the chaos of the books everywhere, the plants everywhere, like everything's clean, everything's orderly, but in a very small space with lots of stuff everywhere. Like it's not at the same time, like it's organized chaos. Um, and then you go from that to like the barn where, oh, these God, people, yeah. where they live, where it's just like bed, three feet, bed, three feet, bed. Like, okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this since you brought it up. Yeah. Um, this is episode technically number five, but number six, seven, eight at this point. <laughs> uh, We've lost I'll count. Back to you on that. It's probably like nine or 10. And I just spat out a number. Um, yeah, we're not going to go in order. So that barn. This is, this is number nine. Number nine. <laughs> At least it was single digit, y'all. I still got it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the, the barn was one of the more unsettling aspects of the community to me um, before even knowing about the ritual, before knowing about anything else that was going on, because it's the same tactic as in a cult where they take away your privacy. And it reminded me a lot of a. They like, take away your privacy and they make you think like it's your idea. Yes. And, um, in sort of those like youth rehabilitation homes, like one step short of military school, you know, if you get sent off to like camp, I don't know, there's, you know, been a documentary about these kind of places now where mm -hmm. they, they take you out of your normal habitat and they yeah. put you in this communal living with no privacy. And they're like, here's all the good things that are going to come out of this. Yeah. And I just, I mean, that alone would have driven me insane. Um, there's, there's a baby crying in the background every that single time. You never time. see, you never you, see a freaking baby, but, but you God, it, to me, it reminded me of, um, so back in like, I guess the Gulf war, they would play, <laughs> they, the U S army would play like hair metal out of like helicopter speakers at targets. They were like people they had labeled as enemies to drive them nuts. <laughs> so like yeah. they played, we're not going to take it. And they played, <laughs> you know, stuff that was coming out around that, around that time. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is, No, but that's, it's what it reminded me of well, because where, it's like, hair metal. So I'm just thinking of the <laughs> I know, I know, but, but yeah, <laughs> you know, small war crimes, whatever. Um, but the baby crying in the background constantly. And like, you see it on Danny's face where she's like, oh my God. But yeah, that alone would have driven me insane. And then we have everything else that leads up to even just before things really pop off, like everything that leads up to them actually being in the commune. 
there's a lot and like i honestly forgot how long this movie was because it doesn't feel long because you get everything you kind of need um arias is actually really good at doing that Um, i know he only has two films for us to really dissect but uh which we will do hereditary at some point um but so uh, good so freaking good but he gives you exactly what you need to fill in the rest in your own head um he actually treats us like we're smart so thank you Ari for that uh letting me use my one letting me use my one brain cell properly but um uh like you had a you have a good point about the mural at the beginning oh yeah so everyone always talks about like oh the mural at the beginning and the opening credits foreshadows everything and if you just pay attention like it was some hidden easter egg first of all it's not hidden when people are like pay attention i just laugh because i'm like That's, yeah just like the mural later with like the, the pube pie <laughs> Yeah, like, oh God, the pube pie. Oh God, every time I think about that scene, I like feel like I have a hair in my mouth. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I so the mural at the beginning, yes, it shows winter into spring into summer into Danny being a May Queen. But Mm -hmm. a detail that I did not pick up on until the second time out of the two times I've seen this movie, Mm -hmm. um, when we cut to Danny's parents who have been murdered in their beds by her right. sister. Um, there's a yellow flower crown in their yes. room. And I didn't see it the first time. And mm-hmm. when I saw it the second time, I said, oh shit, like, <laughs> you know, out loud. And I was like, how did I miss this the first time? Because to me, yeah. that makes me question whether it was premeditated. Yep. That, that got, was a thing. Yeah. Yes. It got under my skin. Oh, it bothered me because and then that kind of leads into like we'll get into it in a bit but like Pele himself he um isn't fucking subtle like (laughs) like from the beginning like essentially with her like he waits till he gets her alone and then he shows her the vulnerability then he shows her like the compassion the the you are loved you are being held you are you know I care about you and it's very the bar is this movie should be called Midsummer. the bar is so fucking low because the bars in all, hell. <laughs> all he had to the bars in hell. All he had to say was, "I'm sorry for your loss," and that fucked her right up. Like, well, and I think she had obviously had a lack of support from Christian, and had had a yeah. lack of support from her friends. And on and top his of that, friends and whatnot. and his friends. And on top of that, if you've ever lost multiple family members in a short time span. I know for me personally, a couple of years ago, I lost two cousins and my grandmother literally within weeks of each other. And even a couple months down the road, someone just mentioning them would, I don't, it wasn't as intense as this scene, but I absolutely, I still get emotional, you know, seven yeah. years later about it. So this movie came out at honestly, just like one of the most perfect times personally for me. Um, it just, it hit on all these things. Like I just started, you know, getting serious with my significant other and like it hits on the fear that all survivors of anything have where it's, you know, they've decided that you're now too much to deal with, whether that's friendships, romantic relationships, professional relationships. I mean, if you've ever dealt with anxiety or been the survivor of something, and you're still going through the emotions of it all and healing from it. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's like a number one fear 
of being too much for someone, um, too much to handle, too much baggage. Yeah, like there's a scene where um, it's uh, before she finds out, Danny finds out that her sister has died and has killed her parents and she's on the phone with her friend and they're talking and she had just gotten off the phone with with Christian who was obviously kind of playing her off and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, he's out with his boys. And that um, scene makes me yeah. sick to my stomach every time. Sorry, it just, oh God, oh, no, it, it really makes me sick to my stomach same and like she's talking to him uh, you know about like she's talking to her friend about about christian and about like you know am i asking him too much like am i asking too much of him am i doing you know all this kind of stuff and like the one line that really kicked me right in the gut was what if because uh, she's saying like you know you, you should be leaning on him you should be asking him for support and like stuff yeah. like that and she <laughs> goes but what if i ask him too often and he thinks i'm a chore and i'm like oh <sighs> It's like that Simpsons episode where like Lisa went on like one date with Ralph just to get tickets to the Krusty show. And like, it's like, if you pause here, you can pinpoint right where his heart's breaking. And it's like, that's me every time that line hits. Because like Jamie just said, it's not like this can happen in relationships or friendships or any kind of like interpersonal relationship you have with anybody. It's like... I know with me personally, we're getting a little real here guys, but like, I know that's like a constant fear of, of me personally. Like I, for me, like, um, am I, am I bothering this person? Am I, am I becoming some kind of a burden? Am I like, I'm very hyper aware of how many times I'll say something to somebody or like how many times I'll like lean on somebody for something. And then it's like, oh no. And then especially like, and Danny brings up this point as well. It's like, but I, I'm not getting anything back. Like I want to be there for him too. Like it's, it's a two-way street. Then you get into that whole guilt and all that stuff. Like uh, the dialogue is just perfect that we know all of this that we can infer all of this from well, this it, one tiny conversation from her it's so natural like it's it it, i've i've heard this conversation happen i've had this conversation <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just it if nothing else an ari aster film is gonna emotionally devastate you like yeah. and i'm okay with that i <laughs> I think that that's what really scares me at the end of the day is my loved ones packing up and being like, nope, you, this was, this was it for me. Um, One thing was just the last thing and we're done. Because when you are going through, again, the healing process from anything, Mm -hmm. you are always worried about if you're, you know, if the one time you were super emotional about something that seems trivial, but might've been the last straw for that day, if that's what finally put someone off, you're, you're always worried about hitting that mark. And it's, it's even more screwed up because we see the secret side of it that Danny doesn't see that Christian was about to break up with her. And I cannot imagine. And, you know, I've only seen it twice once when it first came out and then, the second time uh, uh, last week, right before we were, you know, making notes for this yeah. episode and they were dating for three years and me and my partner have been together for three years. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, they were together for four. So you're oh. okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. He's about a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, and then I think too, you know, if you've ever had an unstable relative, I mean, her sister uh-huh. sending those very cryptic, scary messages because especially if you've had a relative who is an addict, 
they will send you these messages and you're like, should I take this seriously? Should I not? Is this it? Is this when it finally happens? And the people in your life are doing exactly what Christian and his friends did, which is come on, you can't keep letting them do this to you. Like you have to eventually cut the cord. Like, you know, you can't let them. Yeah. It's like, you can't help somebody that can't help themselves or doesn't want to help themselves. Right. And then we find out very quickly that unfortunately this was the one time that we (laughs) needed Danny to, which she kind of tried, but she, she, yeah, she, she did try and she was going to leave him alone for the rest of the night too. (laughs) So that's the thing. It's like, that's the thing that's like really that, that gets you as like the viewer really like amped up is that you, on one end, you know, she's feeling this way and she can tell something's up because you know, and then, and she's dealing with her sister with these messages. So she's got that going on. And then, so you get, and, and she can tell something's up with Christian, but then we as viewers know that Christian's about to dump her ass and, you know, um, all this other stuff. And, uh, and so like, it's very like the tension gets built super, super high. And then you cut to their freaking bodies. <laughs> right. Okay. So, <sighs> I also noticed this on a second watch. There are a lot of uh, references to the exorcist slipped into this movie subtly. The first one being that when we cut to Danny's sister and she's got the mask over her face where she's pumped. Yep. Is it CO2? Yeah. To kill herself. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, the, the cars are running in the, yeah, the cars are running in the garage. She's like taken a tube and connected it. Yep. to one end of the exhaust and put her mask on and killed herself and her parents. Um, yep. And so if you look, she's got like vomit on her shirt because mm-hmm. that's a side effect of going out this way. Um, and it's and like that pea green. It's the pea green of the exorcist, the famous pea soup. Yeah. And it's this, I, to me, you know, it was kind of a middle finger in a joking way to the exorcist where, you know, yeah, that was a nice tidy ending where Reagan gets exercised and then is a normal little girl who, who conveniently doesn't remember any of her trauma that happens to her. This is the opposite where Danny walks into the lion's den of trauma and and sees her entire family killed. Her boyfriend is not supportive. He, he does come and you know, sit with her as Console she cries. her and whatnot. And my God, Florence Pugh acts her ass off. Those screams. Oh my God. I felt you that. Can, you can only scream that way if you're in pain. So good for you, Florence. I mean, I hope you're doing really well now because that was yeah. very convincing. Yeah. I just, I think there's so many emotional layers to the, people always talk about the last 20 minutes and I definitely have that in our notes as well. How quickly yes, that escalates. We will talk about that. But I think people discount how thick the first 20 minutes of this movie are. The exposition yeah. we get is so well done and so tight, but it is heavier than a weighted blanket after you've popped an edible. Like it is <laughs> yeah. thick, you know? Mm-hmm. And like um, the, like, cause there's all the, the right after all of this as well. Like it's still within the first 20 minutes is where you basically find out that he agreed to go to Sweden and never told her. That pissed um, me off. <laughs> that pissed me off too. Cause it's not like, like nope. he didn't need to invite her, but he could have just given her the courtesy of, Hey, I'm going out of the country for three months. So, and on your birthday. And it makes her look like 
the villain and makes her look like the bad person in this situation because instead of just having an honest conversation yep. with her and saying, Hey, mm-hmm. I really want to do this, you know, I'm sorry it's during your birthday, but here's yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. He just says, well, now I have to invite her. No, no one said you had to invite her. Yeah. Like she even said it too. She goes, look, I don't, I don't care that you're going, but it's like, how would her example was great. Like, how would you feel if I said, I didn't say anything and all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, next week, my friends and I are going to China for three months. Yeah. You know? And then he just doubled down on his defensiveness. And then she got all like, eh, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. And she blah. literally had nothing to apologize for, which is the theme of this movie. <laughs> Just She didn't. Like in the beginning, you feel a little bit for him because you're like, okay, yeah. this person is taxing you. They are taking up your bandwidth for the stuff that you are not capable of. The good person thing to do would be to recognize that you don't have the bandwidth to deal with her emotional baggage because at one point he even like uh will polter's character is like oh she needs a therapist yeah and then he's like she has a therapist right and then he's like then this is emotional abuse like to him and you know they're not really helping but no. the, the the proper thing for him to have done and no one ever does the proper thing otherwise you know the movie would have ended 20 minutes in <laughs> would have been for him to be like look i think we need to end things because i can't be there for you in the way you need someone to be there for you and then and that would have really sucked yeah that would have like, really sucked it would have fucked her up but it would have at least given her intelligence some credit but then she wouldn't have got to wear a flower crown and burn his ass alive so you know you win some you lose some you know <laughs> i mean it worked out better for us <laughs> i mean yes i the contrast of jumping from that to the awkward party where she finds out he's going to yeah. them immediately showing up in in Sweden. Yes. Wow. The, that scene actually with her going to like, I need to use the bathroom at yeah. like Pele's house and then cutting to the, the airport bathroom. Chef's kiss just on a cinematic level. Just need to say that. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I. I'm a big fan of that style of editing and I didn't realize it until I'd watched both of his films. And then there's a couple other similar, you know, they all happen to be last night in Soho. I know. I know. I was supposed to go, this is a whole side story that I'll have. I've seen last night in Soho probably multiple times by the time this comes out. Yes. I was supposed to be able to get uh, some tickets to a free screening. And I unfortunately was at the doctor the, the oh, moment no. the tickets got released. And so the poor nurse is like trying to draw blood. And I'm like, I just, I need to, can I get my phone and use it my other hand? Like I need to, I need to register right now. And I missed out on I'll the chance. My to get, phone. Oh, yeah. I missed the chance to get free tickets, but anyways, anyways, I, uh, but that I love that editing. style of editing. Yes. So great. Um, and just while we're on like a tangent in terms of like style and stuff, Ari Oster actually said, I was listening to another podcast he was on, he was on, um, Eli Roth's history of horror. Yeah. And, um, he was actually talking about when he was writing at Midsummer, and he was like, I was going through a breakup, but I needed to find a way to channel it artistically. And I'm like, Ari, are you okay? You know, what's interesting is that he wrote the woman to be more sympathetic in this mm-hmm. if he was the one going through a breakup um i mean again the bar is in hell but like i you don't see that as often unless no unless the other person is cheated and then yes that happens later in this movie i 
we're gonna. I'm talk- pretty sure it might have happened beforehand. I have suspicions that he probably. Yeah, did. we're gonna talk about this for a second because I have suspicions that it probably happened beforehand as well. Um, yeah. And if if not physical cheating, then like what people call you know emotional cheating, where like yes. he was going to another woman to talk about. And none of this is in the film, but contextually, no. contextually, I felt like yes. it probably happened. Yeah. Um, same. And I love that he was going through a breakup and was like, I'm going to write a movie where a woman takes her ex to a village and gets his ass set on fire. Yeah. Uh, I see I mean, that it, now. It was very much a smart, it was very much a smart move on his end to make it like more like uh, vindicating for her. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he just writes women really well. <laughs> he does. He really does. I, um, I've always been pretty pleased with how, literally all of the characters in his film are films mm-hmm. are written because they're honest. They're real. Again, they have real conversations that I've actually heard in real life. Yes. Which is just, I wonder if he just goes around to coffee shops with recorders <laughs> and goes, how he can like I make secretly, this into a movie? <laughs> he secretly has like one of those little pocket recorders. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Um, but yes. The so commune they show itself. In- yeah. Oh, wait, wait, we go to, we get to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. They get to like this campground, like I want to say half hour outside the commune or something. And they all take some shrooms. And the thing and- about shrooms, and I've never done them, but I love reading up on psychedelics and how they help people's mental health. Yeah. Um, like there's a company, I hope y'all will sponsor us one day called Field Trip, where they literally <laughs> help you trip for like your mental health. That's like microdosing. Yeah. I am obsessed with that idea with mental health because I know studies have shown that it can help cure PTSD. And, you know, I say cure. Yeah. That was, I did air quotes around that. Yeah. Um, when they are offered shrooms, I, what's the friend's name that's like kind of the jerk the whole movie? I'm sorry, I'm blanking on uh, his name. Uh, Will Pol- I always think of him as I, his character. I know. Me. Will Poulter, uh, Mark. Mark. I was like, I'm not yeah. Will because that's his real name. Yeah. Um, Mark immediately takes it. And I'm like, you clearly have never been to a music festival where you're like i should not take drugs from and if that dynamic for that group wasn't crystal clear by that point this scene cements it because danny puts up her boundaries right away she goes hey you guys go ahead i'm good um i just want to get settled first because you know she's in a weird position with people she knows probably don't like her and you know um, she knows she's tagging along on this trip. She also just took a transatlantic flight, and then a four hour drive, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She's well within her rights to be like, give me a minute, go ahead. And then Christian does the thing that he thinks he needs to do, which is the, oh, I'm going to be a good boyfriend, quote unquote, wait. now, you know, and I'll wait with you. And then Mark, who sees the quote unquote real him, you know, the real Christian's just like, really, bro? Like, Come on, bro. Also, and if you get me off a transatlantic flight and then you tell me we have a four hour drive, when he said that, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely. Immediately, no. Immediately, no. I want to eat <laughs> and change clothes because transatlantic flights are the devil. I I don't even particularly dislike flying. You know, I'd rather fly than drive. If anything's more than a three hour drive, I'm like, is there a flight? But she's already exhausted you know like you were saying yeah she's exhausted you know she hasn't been sleeping well and it's her birthday the next day so she doesn't want to trip into her birthday as well 
Like you get that vibe, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because she mentioned at some point, she goes, it's okay. It's almost your birthday. Like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then she does the thing that people, pleasing people do and people who think they have the lower hand in a relationship and are trying to grasp at it and whatnot. And I've been that person in a friendship and says, all right, I'll do it. Right. Like, I don't want to cause a fuss. I don't want to cause a problem. Like, I'll do it because she knows she knows in her head that, like, yes, Christian's saying the right things. But if I don't let him do what he wants to do, he's going to hold it against me. It's literally the cool girl speech from from Gone Girl, but in a very condensed moment that doesn't have dialogue. She turns around, she trips. And I know, again, that that other people have said while on shrooms that they feel a sense of connectedness to everything. And I think that, you know, the way they filmed the tripping scenes were, was perfect. I, I, again, I've never done shrooms, but from what I've heard and understood, it looks not dissimilar, but that immediate. Yeah. I've done it once at an outdoor concert. Um, You're braver than me. It, I was, it was, I was already out in the heat all day. I did not make good decisions with my life. Um, Y'all can't see it, but I'm like very concerned <laughs> for Bobner. Right it's okay. I, like, I will oh, tell you, I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the rest of the story offline, but okay. I was fine. I was fine guys. It was many, 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 many years ago, but, um, <laughs> and I was, was, I was safe. I was with people. Um, but this movie does do a really good job of that. Like when particularly the scene where um, they're doing the May Day dance listen um, and she's like i don't speak swedish and she's speaking when swedish. she started speaking in yeah. tongues i said excuse me yeah <laughs> i was like did this bitch just speak swedish yes. but that's but that's exactly it. it that's exactly it because i was at a concert and this band i love like i love them i know all the words to all their yeah. songs from every album since their first album to now i'm seeing them in april like my first post-pandemic uh concert and everything too but they and and this is in my memory i can't i can't find whatever the real file is in my brain (laughs) computer enhanced got words to their songs and so did they and they definitely did the la 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 while strumming along on their guitar and that is in my head and even though logically i know they did their song see that is what I saw. I just so. got chill bumps. I just got chill bumps because it's that idea of being connected. Yeah. And I understand that that's very healing for someone that has PTSD to feel like you're reintegrated with your true self, Yes. but doing it in public like this with a group of uh-uh. people who are deliberately trying to make you feel as if you are a burden. And obviously Pele did this to make her feel more open to the whole experience to make all of them feel that way. Um, yeah, like, and you see that, and when she walks past this group of the uh, the other group of people, and they're just yes. laughing because they're fucking high, and <laughs> everybody's on drugs. So everybody's on drugs. They're just fucking high. They're laughing, and she's like, "They're laughing at me." To like Ingmar, and he's like, "They're just laughing. Come sit with us." Like. You know, you shouldn't be tripping alone. She's like, no, I got this. And then she goes into like this bathroom and I'm like, no. And in closed space is not where you want to go, sweetie. I know. And I was like, why would you go into an outhouse while you were tripping? Like of all places, that's probably the last yeah. place I would want to go. Again, I don't mm-hmm. speak from experience. Um, so mm-hmm. 
yes, the commune, <laughs> the commune is incredibly white. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there are many, many think pieces on the sort of Nordic nationalism slash like white ethno nationalism in this movie. Um, I don't know if Ari has ever come out and said that that's on purpose. I'm not sure. I don't think so. I haven't, I didn't dig too deep, but I don't recall seeing anything like that. And I, you know, I understand because it is in Sweden and it's in the middle of nowhere. And we quickly find out that it is very incestual. Um, Mm -hmm. Not, not siblings, but you know, kissing like bloodlines. Yeah. Bloodlines and stuff. Um, I, here's the thing. Here's where it connects with me on that level dealing with, with racist imagery and, and racism in general. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened during get out where you are lured into this situation. And if you are not trusting your gut, like if you are making yourself stay or you're being praised, but if you do try to trust your gut and you are trying to leave they gaslight you. And it's like, you're the crazy one for wanting to leave. And it's, it happened with, and I'm blanking out again on the girlfriend, the Um, girlfriend of the friend that they meet at the commune. Simon and Connie, 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 Connie. I almost said Cameron. I was like, it's not Cameron. Um, sorry. I like, don't, I like clicked away from my notes for a second. Uh, Connie, yeah says so many times we should leave we should leave we should leave like again and again and again even before danny starts saying it yeah and she's like this is like, fucked we should go this is fucked we should go and she's the second one that gets killed out of their group <laughs> yeah. uh in a pretty brutal you know we come to find out a pretty brutal way so yes. there's this lead up where you are lulled into a sense of everything's fine here yeah and then we get the most brutal scene of the movie that I've still to this day, never actually seen. I always fast forward through the jumper scene. I go right up until they cut to mm-hmm. Connie saying how screwed up everything is. Yeah. So I've never like, actually seen it because I can't, I can't do like the splatter thing. I couldn't do it in Halloween kills. It's the one again, the this head is probably the things, most like, realistic one I've seen. Oh God. Um, oh, the makeup as soon as and you everything. Said, as yeah. Soon as you said it. I was like, stop, stop, stop. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, sorry. Please. You can talk about it. I just, it was like an auto response. <laughs> yeah. But like, just before you get to, to that scene too, just, just oh, yeah. to touch upon the commune, just a little bit more is like, Mark has this line where he goes, so we're, and it's, it's a line I missed up until my recent rewatch. Cause it's just so throwaway. And I was like, what the fuck was, so we're stopping in Waco before going to Pele's village. Oh, he sees everybody. God. Like, it's just one of those, like in the background, like as yes. they're showing up there, they're showing the visuals and it's just one of those throwaway lines. And I'm like, you're not complete. It's like Waco, but no guns. <laughs> yeah, listen and you know i love i say love i'm very interested in how that story developed and that that event of history um yeah. i'm not one of the like people who are like obsessive about serial killers or whatever but that's me as far as true i mean as far as true crime goes it's up yeah. there for me in terms of like events mm-hmm. i make jim i make <laughs> i make <laughs> jokes about that all the time because 
Taylor Kirsch played the leader in the Waco show. He played I, David Koresh. Yeah. And I was like, why are they trying to make David Koresh hot? I'm uncomfortable. Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play Jim Jones. And I'm like, listen, I don't know a, how to feel about this. We'll review it when it happens. Yes. I have feelings. Um, so yeah, he says, yeah, he says that, so we're going to stop. We're stopping in Waco before going to Pele's village. And for just for our listeners that might not know, Waco was a, a basically a showdown between, uh, the gov the, was it the FBI and, mm-hmm. uh, a religious cult, um, in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. In the nineties. Um, I was a child. I don't remember these things, <laughs> but, uh, but he's not far off because they did give me culty vibes, but this also gave me Wickerman vibes. If anyone okay. is, and I mean the OG Wickerman, not the how yeah. to get burned Nicholas Cage, though I unironically love Nicholas Cage. Uh, I, I propose we do a Nicholas Cage month, one month. Cause uh, he, is, uh, he is a scream King. <laughs> I will absolutely do that. And I'm so glad you said that because in October, uh, friends of the pod guide to the unknown GTTU. They did a cage tober where all they yes. covered. Was, yes, they did. It was so good. Cause you have uh, so many to choose from. You have yeah, so many great cage movies to choose from and Wickerman's not one of them. <laughs> well, they covered it and boy, howdy, I forgot what a ride that movie is. I mean, everyone knows the meme, <laughs> the bees. Yeah. Um, how to get burned how to get burned how to get burned i i say that all the time and what one of one of my best friends and i we love we love nicholas cage like we love oh i unironically like we've loved it unironically we love him we will watch everything he's in like we'll wait for each other to see it like i waited almost a year to see mandy because i wanted to see it with her so Um, good so good we will probably cover that at some point willie's wonderland crazy oh my god yes so nuts and the imagery, everything. Anyway, I'm getting distracted, but it's okay. Um, the, but it's Nicholas Cage though, but, um, wicker, but as soon as you walk in and you see all of them and it's this thing song too, I mean, yeah, fine. They didn't have songs to, uh, lyrical songs about their cult for lack of a better word. But they're singing these but, like but hymns basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it gave me major, like Christopher Lee wicker man, wicker man <laughs> You want to talk about something else that would have drove me nuts? The constant singing, constant singing. I wanted to be like, I will sew your lips together if you don't stop. Like I, I cannot handle like repeated noises that are not music, like a tapping Mm. or like a baby crying, like anything that's like repetitive. I don't know what it is. It's like my MK ultra trigger or something. I hate it. (laughs) And them singing every time gave this movie such a surreal layer that was so subtle. Everything in this movie is so well done. And I know we said that at the beginning, but the makeup, for example. Yeah. During the scene that we were talking about just now. Yes. The it jumper. was so realistic. Like I can't. The, whoever did the prosthetics, you know what? The the makeup and prosthetics crew for this film are right up there with the the Tommy Lee and Pamela show that's coming. <gasps> I think <laughs> bitch, I am so excited. Okay. We're going to have to do a mini. So it's about that, even though it's not horror, because even I, though it's not horror, but it's, it's formative to our youths. Yeah, um, and also strong Sebastian Stan. Um, Hey, <laughs> Hey, we're here for it. Um, Seb hit us up, but, um, 
I am I, I that wasn't even just a joke for me. It's literally those two teams are it for me in the industry right now because um I wouldn't even be surprised if they were the same team. But it was so realistic. It was so realistic. And unless you've seen broken bone, unless you've seen, I mean, I've never seen a smash in face personally, but like, I was about to have questions, Bob. No, I no, like, no, no. I have not seen an actual smashed in face. Uh, were, that's not to discount anybody that has like, I just, you were, not, but you were going to get some Bava ghoul, <laughs> give somebody some, some concrete shoes. Someone put the in the Sopranos theme song in the back here. <laughs> <laughs> okay um, anyway anyway um but the, the the one that got me was the and sorry jamie for the visceral reaction you're gonna have uh is the when the man jumped and you can see his like leg literally doing an l shape like broken because he when you when you see him fall sorry listeners i'm gagging on the inside he falls right onto his feet like his legs and you just see it from afar and all here is a soft like splat and when they close up on him, it. which I was not expecting. I was a fool. Oh. I can't do oh, it. I will I never watch that scene. Um, but the thing about that scene, though, is what compounds it for me is the reactions of the visitors. Yes. So the the non-Swedes, basically. So, like, you know, there's there's Connie and Simon who are freaking the fuck out. And then there's that little moment where Danny grabs his uh christian's arm and like he doesn't he acts like he's into it not into it into it but he's he's visibly shocked because he's not completely off the rails but like he's like fascinated by it almost and i wonder too if that wasn't something to do with drugs because we only see a handful of times when they're given drugs on purpose but i think I think they were being dosed the whole time. That's been my running theory on this movie. The water's um, never been clear. <laughs> they were thank you. They were yeah. <laughs> it's always been a little, uh, some special water. Um, so leading up to this, we're given this again, we're, we're like a baby in a cradle being rocked, like lulled to sleep. And then all of a sudden the cradle is just kicked and you're on the floor crying. Yeah. Like and then- that's, it's bad. <laughs> it's just like uh, it's just like the to quote Heath Ledger, and here we go. I mean, that was, from that moment on, yeah, from that moment on, that's when you started getting the disappearances. You had the disappearance of like they uh, they're not so subtle about how um, Simon. I was about to call him yes. Connor. <laughs> Simon, I struggle with the C names for some reason. You do, but Simon gets. Um, uh they, they he disappears and they say like oh they drove him to the to the station but there's only room for two people in the car Red and flag. like he would never leave me and like whatnot and then the others kind of show vague interest uh because we're going to go through this rapid fire because just so much stuff goes on and it's like uh then you have mark i think pissing on a tree the tree the tree of life yeah <laughs> the tree of life and like they're flipping out so like in your head Which- you're like oh he's fucking next to Mark's credit, it was dead. It was knocked it down. It was on dead. The grid. He didn't know. There was no sign. There was nothing. I said on the grid. On the ground, it was dead. <laughs> and Mark was a fucking annoying anyways. I yeah. he reminded me of like grown-up Sid from Toy Story. I was like, kick rocks, yes. my dude. Yes. Uh he gets seduced by one of the girls. One of the, of the girls. 
Yeah. Okay. This did not click with me at first, but they cut from that to um, Christian's friend. Wow. I really should have written Josh. down more character named Josh reading the book, like sneaking into the chapel and reading the sacred text that he wasn't like, supposed to. Yeah. He wasn't supposed to read it. And then he gets clobbered. And I realized later they mm-hmm. show the killer is wearing Josh as a mask. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice that <laughs> until it like, I noticed it, but it like sank in a couple minutes after the scene happened. And I said, was he wearing that man as a mask? So you come, this is something that I nerded out about. I came to realize it wasn't just his head, like his skin on his face. It was his whole body as a suit, which not only mimics obviously Christian and the bear suit at the end, but there's the Nordic, uh, tradition, I say tradition folklore of, and I don't know the Swedish name for this. Um, Mm -hmm. but in English it's corpse pants. (laughs) Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm about to talk about? So in old Nordic folklore and this is obviously folklore like i don't think anybody actually did this if you got permission from a dying man to use his skin after he passed away you would skin him from like the waist down use his legs as like pants and then you would use his scrotum as a coin sack like you would put coins in it and if you wore the pants for like a certain amount of time it would make you it would give you infinite riches is basically the running thing so yes. you're saying where Ed Gein went wrong was not getting people to sign a contract before they died? <laughs> I'm done with you, but they didn't read the terms and conditions. I, <laughs> so I he was just cannot. missing a few signatures is what you're saying. Listen, when I learned about this, this was like, this was, I think I heard about this probably in like college. I took a bunch of, uh, I took a bunch of like folklore related classes in college. Um, okay. Nabrok N A B R O K, but the A and the O have a little like accent mark over it. Mm-hmm. It's literally corpse britches <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's Icelandic. Okay. It's Icelandic witchcraft. Okay. Okay. Why but am I picturing idea. Millhouse in his flood pants? <laughs> exactly. But they're human skin. But they're human um, skin. So um, there are get- so many little details like that, that I missed the first time because I was just so shocked watching this movie the first time. You're also so just, like, just good to go back to Josh's kill for a second. Like that was just like, ugh. cause like they focus in, um, like just a hair too long on his like brain short circuiting. Like when you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's not Josh's skin. I'm sorry. It's, um, um, it's it's Mark skin. You were thinking Mark of. skin. I meant Mark, yeah. but we were talking about Josh. So my brain was like Josh. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's Josh. Josh is uh, the guy that played Cheaty on The Good Place. I love him so yes. much. Um, so shit escalates, and they start dropping like flies. We get the scene of the Maypole dance when Danny actually becomes the May Queen. She's able to speak uh, Swedish because she's had this tea that they tell her is for her stamina. Um, and while oh, that's going shrooms, on, guys. Shrooms. yeah, <laughs> while that's going on, they dose Christian with Lord knows what tells him it's for his stamina and basically force him to have sex with one of the girls in the village. And this very gro- like weirdly 
it, I don't even want to say grotesque it's because like it's not a that ritual. they're naked. It's it is like, a ritual. It's, it's like eyes wide shut on a budget. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's it's the Whole Foods version of eyes wide shut. I, I I don't want to say it's grotesque because of naked bodies. Cause that's not oh, no. like they, that was they, the least, that was the least disturbing thing. That wasn't even disturbing. That wasn't the disturbing thing about that scene. It was more so the, I found that they were, it was just the disturbing part for me. Sorry to cut you off. There no, was no. not so much the even togetherness. Cause there is a beauty in that to a degree. Cause, but it was more so like, he's not a part of it. No. He was the tool to get her pregnant. Yeah. They, they praying mantis his ass. So they, he has, they black sex. widowed his ass. They did. They make him have sex with her. I mean, he's obviously willing to a degree, but it's under the influence. So then it becomes a question of, you know, consent and what is this yeah. all about? But sorry, I have the hiccups. <laughs> they make him impregnate her and then they immediately take him away <laughs> they're like okay surprise. surprise like you're one of our human sacrifices uh they line up all the people well before, before they do that he starts yeah. running out of the chapel because danny sees him <laughs> having sex with this girl yeah. surrounded yeah. by women singing <laughs> yeah and so she's like, but she knew something like this was going to happen because like, you know, she's been watching him the whole time. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, anytime that the, cause the girl hasn't been subtle throughout the whole film, there's been like little foot taps, the pubide. So, so that's another piece of like generic Scandinavian folklore that they twisted to be more sexual. Uh, mm. Basically, you know, if you've seen the movie, you've seen the scene, they show a little fresco mural of a woman plucking her pubic hair and baking it into baked goods. And then it immediately cuts to dinner, which it's 24 seven sunlight there during this time of the year. So that's super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would personally screw with me. I know there are places uh, at the North and South poles where it goes through like some seasons it's 24 hours of light. Some seasons it's 24 hours of dark. I actually think I could handle most of the darkness, but the 24 hours of sunlight was like, I feel like that would really screw with me. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I digress. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I actually, I was in Dublin in July and, and not yeah. recently, but it was like July, 2015 or something like that. And it was still light out at 11 PM. And I was absolutely not extremely fucked up by it. <laughs> what these people that are like, it needs to be light all the time. Anyways. Um, yeah. so <laughs> Poor Danny sees her boyfriend like impregnate this girl, like actively impregnate her. And I cannot imagine like the level of devastation after she's already been afraid of this happening before they even got to Sweden. (laughs) But now we're watching it happen in a screwed up ritual. Um, And also this was just, just took me all the way out. (laughs) The guy that like leads him into the chapel has a mask on that is straight up like an Orville Peck mask. Like it's got this, it's got the yeah. fringe hanging down. It's like yeah. a, you know, a mask. Yes. I died. Um, and then from there, shit just takes off. Like we were already at, like we were already on a motorcycle going like a hundred miles an hour. Now we've added rocket launchers to the motorcycle. Uh, because then Christian gets to stumble around the village looking for Danny to apologize to her, but naked. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and he finds the he finds the bodies in a barn. I think like he the barn the first. Door. I think it is. It's yeah. The, um, and he goes in and he sees he like sees I think Connie's on the no is Connie in there as well? But you see Simon for sure. Simon's the one that's hung up, and I was like, yes. this is very Hannibal. <laughs> this is my design. Listen, I'm forever upset about how that show ended. It's fine. We need a fourth season to wrap things up. Um, but he's yeah. he's hanging on hooks, very Hannibal-esque. Yeah. Yeah. And you pointed out something to me that I had never heard of. Actually, yes. And and I will give credit where credit's due. I heard about this from friend of the pod, Kendra. Uh, it was actually her uh, boyfriend I actually went to go see this with. But she told me this about two <laughs> weeks ago. It's all coming together. Hi, Kendra. We love you. But and also, she was a very early supporter of us, so she will always have a yes. special place in our heart. In our hearts. But, um, so Kendra hadn't seen the film. She had just looked up um, like various things about it, and this was one of the things. So it was one of those uh, Dorothy Ann moments of, <laughs> according to my research, uh, the form of how, of um, how that body was placed and how he was killed is actually an, a Viking form of execution called Blood Eagle. Jesus. <laughs> and a boy howdy, if you look at it, it's pretty self-explanatory. Cause it's like his whole his sternum is cut in half and like pulled out. Yep, there we go. Jamie's just showing her shirt with an eagle on it. I, and- I'm laughing because I'm wearing um a t-shirt I got at a vintage store from like it's from like a German bike week in 1990, and it's got a massive, massive eagle that's like dripping blood on it. And I'm like, oh. Whereas I'm sticking with the the Scandinavia the thing and wearing uh, my mighty Thor shirt. I like Loki's how he's on both... here somewhere. Oh, the the real king. Uh, <laughs> I like how we both went uh, slightly Nordic for this. Um, but yeah, I didn't. But, yes. I'd never heard of that before, and I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Blood Eagle for anybody that wants to look it up and um... give it a give it a googs give it a googs uh but the vikings were that was one of their um if they really didn't fucking like you this is i guess their version of being drawn and quartered um, oh that makes sense okay yeah um or i guess I, I i'm just making stuff up now i i wouldn't be surprised if it was like a uh inspiration for being drawn and quartered <laughs> so we don't see connie I'm still laughing at like that imagery. We don't see Connie in the barn because isn't she one of the limbs that are sticking out of the garden? Yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. I think it was one of her limbs or it might've been one of Josh's limbs. It's one of each because one's clearly like more feminine than the other. I was like, holy hell, they have gone full Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Mm -hmm. There are these cutscenes where there's no, like in a normal horror movie, there would be like sharp violins behind it. Like, psycho style but there's not (laughs) it's like it's just cut to cut to cut of the bodies and which is honestly way more effective than watching them die that's exactly what i was about to say it is i preferred that because my mind filled in the rest for me which you know hitchcock is famous for saying you don't show everything the audience whatever they make up is worse than what you show whatever but you know it really didn't hit me until Danny is Danny's the May queen. They put her in this Christmas tree shaped flower dress. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I love the costuming again, kudos to costuming and makeup in this movie. Incredible work. Um, 
And basically they're like, we have these four people that have agreed to sacrifice themselves. Plus the three elders that are the two elders that jumped off. We need one more <laughs> and they line him up. Yeah. They line Christian up with mm -hmm. these other people, these two other people from the village that have volunteered, which. And they're so I, happy about they're it. They're so, I was like, I cannot imagine like if, if I was in a worse place mentally, <laughs> I would 100% have made a same joke. Uh, they <laughs> very dark humor. I'm sorry, guys. So do, so do we, but that's why you love us. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a, it's, it's this moment where they're like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the greater good, which again, very like white nationalists, Nazi Germany vibes of like, I'm yeah. going to sacrifice myself for the nation because I'm a son of the nation, which that language is very coded and very yes. dog whistly. Yes. Um, so Wolf. Danny's like, hell yeah, I'm going to pick my ex that, and she never, she never says it. They never show her making the choice, but she, no. there's that iconic scene of her starting to kind of like cry frown at the same time, the iconic Florence Pugh face at this point. Yeah. And they drag Christian into the barn that they've set up. And they start putting his friends that they've killed one by one. Well, minus blood Eagle into yeah. the, they've filled this barn. Well, it's a a frame building, but they've filled it with hay and they're stacking their friends' bodies. Plus the two guys that have agreed to sacrifice themselves who are still smiling, still thrilled. These people, I've never seen someone happier to end. I mean, and Ingmar couldn't sacrifice. have been couldn't have been more than 30 years old, Max. No way. Yeah, no way. He was super young. Yeah. Uh so the you know, without going into like deep, deep visual detail. Uh, I know, for example, you know, one the friend that is the asshole. <laughs> My words are not with me right now. Mark. Mark. Sorry. I keep calling him Michael. His name is not Mike. His name is Mark. You know what? all the same to me. <laughs> Mark is dressed as the fool. They've yes. like stuffed flowers in his eyes and his mouth. And he's got like a clown hat on. Um, yep. everybody is dressed as like an archetype essentially in folklore. Mm -hmm. And then they sit Christian down in the middle and they've stuffed him inside of a bear, but them sh showing butchering the bear <laughs> girl. Yeah, I, I and it was like a teachable moment. That part, <laughs> it was so sinister. The granddad or the older gentleman, I call him granddad. He's got these three young boys and he's like, all right, now you want to cut it from here to here. And he's showing him like where on the bear to take the guts out of. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have to kind of pass that on because they don't do this every year. It's every 90 years that they sacrifice people. That is, is it? Yeah. It's 90. Yeah. They're like, it's been 90, it 90 years since our last great feast. And it'll be another, we won't have another one like this for another 90 years. Yeah. That is listen. So I, it's the passing on of technique. Cause you gotta, <laughs> I was distraught truly. Um, <laughs> but you know, they cut immediately from that to Christian being chosen as the sacrifice and you are like, Oh no, Oh no. Like I know where this is going. And so they build a bear with Christian and mm -hmm. put him in the, 
I'm sorry. They put him in the A-frame with all of his friends. And then the two people that are willingly sacrificed, Bhavna has given up on me. <laughs> they are willingly sacrificed themselves. And then they do a ritual with the two people that are willingly sacrifice themselves. To me, that was very similar to taking communion at church where he says, you know, mm-hmm. this is my body eat. This is my blood drink. He says, drink yeah. this and have no fear. That better be the strongest concoction of drugs in that cup to make me not have chloroform to be honest right i was like have no fear sir uh so meanwhile christian has been drugged but not so that he can't feel anything but that's so he can't move Move. he's paralyzed and i'm you know what call me sick but it was beautiful and 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 not well not just beautiful but it just it was very satisfying yes to see him burn incredibly and i'm glad that we didn't see how some of the other people were killed the other friends we only got to see mm-hmm. josh um because the way that they manhandle the bodies into the a frame that they're going to burn was rough i mean they literally yeah. throw them like rag dolls and to be fair all of them had disrespected the commune in some right. way shape or form exactly so, you know, it's a good for them moment, very much like the end of this movie is a good for her moment. Uh, yeah. And I know <laughs> closing my next to last thought before we do closing thoughts. I yeah. know this only because I'm a big fan of uh, Ask a Mortician on YouTube. Caitlin Doty, <laughs> lover. Uh, I have both of her books. I'm very into like bucking the system of the funeral complex. If you ever want to talk about it, guys, at me on Twitter. Happy to talk about why you shouldn't pay $10,000 for a funeral. Uh, (laughs) So I know for a fact that during the cremation process, the traditional cremation process, the temperature that a body would have to get to would not, like, it wouldn't happen, especially with Christian being in a bear suit. It would literally take days to burn. And they don't show that in the movie. They show it pretty much engulfing within five, 10 minutes. Yeah. But the idea of him burning alive and not being able to do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is visceral horror at its best, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I knew that too, just cause, um, Hindu. So we oh, don't get buried. <laughs> we get burnt. Um, how to get burnt? Well, we died. Um, <laughs> Need a second. <laughs> How to get burned? Okay. Get burned? I'm, well, I'm good. We I'm good. Uh, <laughs> please keep listening to us, guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, there's definitely bits and bobs. Like I mean, that the family doesn't ever deal with, but you know that there's going to be residual bones and other things that don't burn at that high of a temperature, and you kind of have to do a cleanup job. I just, I was, I'm the sick person that was like, I would have rather seen them cleaning up the bones after than them scraping the elders off the rock quarry floor. <laughs> like, mm. I don't need to see the, the only thing I've seen from that scene is the kids sliding their bodies over the pyre where their yeah. faces are, are, they're still very much bashed in, but it just looks like uh, the dad in Crimson Peak. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got any closing thoughts, B? Anything else you want? Um, I have, I have a hot take before a closing thought. Feel free. 
All right. This and and uh, this might sound like I'm coming out of left field here, but the this movie reminds me a lot of Hot Fuzz. Stay with me for a moment. Uh, in that the first half of Hot Fuzz sets up the second half. And once it sets up the second half, it's balls to the wall. Um, if anyone has seen Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz, which I, I hope you have if you listen to I us. love that movie. I'm just I trying to quote it backwards, together. forwards. It's one of my like depresso movies. I love it. Um, I watch it several times a year. But um, <laughs> if you pay attention to that movie, everything that's going to happen in the second half is already explained in the first oh. half of that film. So you get... Uh, like, for example, I'm just going to use a hot fuzz example here. Um, when they're in the pub at one point and it's uh, he had uh, Simon uh, Pegg character had just joined the police force. And, you know, he's talking about gun violence and stuff like that. And then one of the Andes is like, oh, like everybody's everybody's got packing guns out here, you know, like farmers and their moms be having them. And then he's just like, oh, well, like who? And then they're like farmers, farmers, moms. And then later like at the top of the second half when like shit's going crazy and he has to come back into the city he's literally being held up by a farmer and his mom with (laughs) guns so think that but like several little different things and then so the way midsummer for me relates in that sense is like you get so many things that tell you what's going to happen for example there's a scene where Josh is talking to one of the uh, Christian, sorry, is talking to one of the elders with Danny there. And they're like, do you have a problem with incest? And they're like, no, you know, the bloodlines are kept kind of pure, uh, blah, 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 blah. We bring people in from the outside for breeding. That was such a huge, when he you said know, breeding, I said, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. And then like, you know, things like that. It's like, oh, you brought in these people, like what, like the scene where Mark is pissing on the dead tree. Yeah. Um, the, if you read the subtitles, the man who's yelling, is just like, you brought him here. Like yeah. you chose him, things like that. And you get that vibe of like, all right, these people were brought in for, if you didn't already have that vibe, you know, you get that. And then where it actually like really relates for me is not just that, but that once it, the action starts, it's relentless and just keeps going. So it's like that final 20 minutes or so like that, that Jamie brought up that just keep going and going and going. So it's where my mind went. So like, stylist, I love that you like, connected yeah. this to hop. I'm never going to get over this. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's also one of those films that if you can stomach it on a second or third or fourth viewing, you'll pick up stuff it's like what i talked about on i think it was like uh, our crimson peak episode where i said like yeah. uh it has a very good rewatchability factor if you can handle it <laughs> it is a never heavy. yeah i but it's this is a, a film while. made to be yes yeah, the film made to be studied like this is something they'll teach in film school 100 percent. uh but closing thoughts jamie you want to kick it off no you go first okay thank you <laughs> Uh, kicking off 2022 with my closing thought. Okay. (laughs) Um, I honestly, I found very few flaws (laughs) with this film. Um, I thought I might, cause it'd been a while since I'd watched it. I guess the only critical thing I can say is that, um, we were kind of hit over the head with how much of a bad boyfriend, (laughs) um christian is and how bad his friends are in that regard but also not at the same time because it he he did give us enough of like well you can kind of understand where he's coming from 
but he's still a douchebag. You know, like, oh, he hasn't cheated yet, but you know he's gonna. And things like that. He brings us into, like, that gray area of playing chicken with that relationship. And, um, uh, yeah, I like I said, I think this film's going to be taught in film school. Um, and it is a, uh, it warmed me up on this cold winter's day. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? What are your, what are your closing thoughts? Uh, similar. So I think this movie is just sinister. There is a sinister vibe underneath it. Mm-hmm. And it's not literal, but it's as if there was that low hum of a tone that gets used in, for example, the paranormal activity movies. Yes. But instead of being literal, it's emotional. Yeah. And there is one thread from beginning to end of just none of this is going to turn out well. No. And I will never. I'm just not going to be able to watch this movie for a long time again. Yeah. Uh, I had the same feelings about her. Yeah. I had the same feelings about hereditary where I was like, that was great. And I never want to watch that movie again. Um, which I will, but I just, I need some time and space from it. Um, I think it's, if you can kind of, again, stomach or not the only gory scene, uh, well, not that the blood eagle is not gory, but it's, it's it's the only gory action scene. Yeah. There's he, he's two already and that's dead. it. Yeah, he's already dead. So you're like, eh, whatever. Uh, you know, the psychological stuff is going to do more damage than, than the gore stuff, which is I, how I prefer most of my horror movies anyways, outside yeah. of, you know. Honestly, Danny's conversation with her friend fucked me up more than right the old Um, people jumping off the cliff i i was very facetious when i first posited this but i was like is midsommar a slasher you know it's my running joke at this point but i because the friends get picked off one by one uh and then she's a final girl in my opinion she's a final girl um and it cracks me up that people argue about this movie in you know film discussion groups that i'm in across Mm -hmm. several platforms and people love love to pick danny apart and i'm just like you guys have clearly never been in any sort of relationship platonic or romantic where you were made to feel like a burden whether that was on purpose or not so closing thought it's a very shitty feeling (laughs) yes it's very shitty and my my true closing thought is i think this is almost a perfect movie uh, mm-hmm. as to what I would change, I don't have like a list on hand. Um, no. it's just something I would have to let marinate, but it, it really is beautiful. Um, as strange as that sounds to describe it as, and that's, that's my closing thought. This is a horrifically beautiful movie. It isn't just, sorry, one final, final closing thought and again um comparing artistic styles here but don't worry it's not as off base as edgar wright there or not as uh, wild as an edgar wright comparison but i feel like ari aster has that same eye that steve mcqueen has in that yes yeah in that he likes to focus in on the uncomfortable thing for just that hair to 
long. long. If anyone has seen any Alexander, or sorry, wow, Alexander McQueen, love you. Any Steve oh my McQueen, God. I was looking at clothes earlier, guys, that I can't afford. Um, uh, but if you anyone has seen any Steve McQueen films, you know that he loves to have that camera pan in on that shot just a little bit too long to make you feel like you are intruding upon this character's moment. Like just that, like, you know, any other movie would have cut away and been like, okay, we got our emotional stuff out of this and cut like not him. And I feel like Ari Oster can do that for horror. Like he, he did that in hereditary for sure. He did that in in midsummer many many times and not just with the gore but like stuff with danny and and like moments with her like you know he probably could have cut the scene shorter where she's wailing you know after her parents died and stuff so yay welcome to the artsy fartsy corner of the bloody broth bar. <laughs> we can do both we can do we can do both get you a pod that can do both <sighs> All right, guys. Well, we are super thankful as always to have you listen. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Our main page is on anchor.fm slash bloody dash broads. You can find us on Apple, on Spotify, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, bloody broads pod. Please leave us a review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And until next week. Bye. Until next week. Bye. Pod Squad.